0: Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Welcome to the EM360 Podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Christina Stathopoulos, and I will be your host today. I am dedicated to the world of data. After over five years at Google, I recently left to explore the entrepreneurial path as an independent data consultant and public speaker. I'm also involved in higher education, teaching as a professor of analytics at IE Business School and ISDE. In today's episode, I'm joined by Sean Knapp, founder and CEO at Ascend.io. And we're here to talk about why data pipeline automation will have you rethinking the modern data stack. Welcome, Sean. How are you doing today? Thanks for
1: having me, Christina. I'm doing great. How about you?
0: I'm, I'm doing good. Um, and it's, it's wonderful to have you on. And I'm also really looking forward to our conversation. So to kick this off, could you start by telling me a bit about your background and also what prompted you to start Ascend?
1: I'd be happy to. You know, my, my background started you know really back in 2004, uh, which sounds like a very long time ago now. So I'll try and make this somewhat succinct. You know, I I did my undergrad and master's in computer science from Stanford and found myself in my first job ever out of college uh, at Google, which is just this absolutely amazing time to join, not just pre-IPO and and experiencing some of that journey, but at a point in time where Google had actually access to and the capabilities to process these tremendous volumes of data. And pretty quickly in my tenure at Google, I found myself uh, leading the front-end web search team, which was, ironically, one of the neatest data jobs you could ever have. As a lot of our remit was to experiment with the user experience of web search, so we would, you know, quote unquote, push pixels around and then run these really large uh, MapReduce jobs to analyze the efficacy of those experiments. And the reason why I think that was so salient as as part of my experience and part of that journey to ascend was. About three years into my time at Google, I uh, left to start a company with two other uh, Googlers and for eight years we built that company up uh, and really our core differentiator and our core advantage as part of that business was everything we did around data and analytics. Uh, we were one of the first companies outside uh, of Google to have a large uh, Hadoop and MapReduce cluster we played with and utilized to an extreme degree most of the really advanced big data technologies out there from Storm, to Spark, to Cassandra, to MongoDB, you name it, and we were pretty early adopters of a lot of those technologies. And ultimately, you know, we built that business up to uh, about $60 million in revenue by the time we were acquired, and this is in 2014, I was really starting to think about where are, are we going to find the next big inflection point uh, across industries? And one thing that became abundantly clear to me was... This macro shift we were seeing happening in the the data landscape itself, and the, the macro the, the macro shift was really around not just can people scale and marshal the power of big data to store and process faster, but really how do we help companies be more efficient and more effective in how they marshal these incredible new capabilities coming out with Snowflake and Databricks and Google's BigQuery, you, you name it, and so. the the ultimate realization that that compelled me to start ascend was on this this observation that teams fundamentally need data pipelines whether they're etl or elt they they fuel the business yet one of the bigger challenges is teams need to be able to build those data pipelines faster they need them to be lower maintenance they need to be able to ramp individuals uh, quicker to be highly effective and productive and a lot of the, the the new challenges that we were seeing here were no longer scaling the volume or processing capabilities, but rather around scaling the organizational productivity and efficiency tied to how you work with data itself. It was really with those challenges that I wanted to solve this is why I ended up starting ascent.
0: Got it, and we've got that that Google piece in common. Um, I agree. There's so yeah. much you can you can learn from from working there. But I'm especially jealous of you that you got to work for there back in 2004, which must have been well, or what was it? 2004, or a little bit after the. It you was were at
1: 2004. U. I think my, uh, if I remember correctly, my start date was June 21st, 2004. As I, it, I sprinted there after graduation as fast as humanly possible.
0: Super, super early as well in the in in Google. That's just I'm sure you learned so much. Incredible. Um, I joined much later, so I didn't have that that uh, experience. But I can I can completely relate. Um, and so what you were speaking about that you you not- you notice these problems as it pertains to data pipelines, um, and that we've reached this huge scale of things, but now it's more. How can we make this faster? How can we have lower maintenance? Um, How can we scale more efficiently? All of these problems that go back to the data pipeline, when you were thinking about how to solve these challenges, what was the core inspiration for how you approached architecting a product to solve it?
1: Yeah, I think that that it's it's really interesting when we take a, a step back and look at the data space as... You know in one regard, what we're doing today in the in the ecosystem is incredibly new and incredibly different and may seem you know very foreign to to quite a few folks. yet the reality is there's also a tremendous amount of prior art and precedence around how to evolve and and how to to better advance data engineering and data pipelines from. Prior eras of data engineering, as well as prior eras of software engineering itself. So, when when I started Ascend, really the the core focus of what we wanted to do was how do we better automate a lot of the muckery and monotony of data engineering systems? As spaces become more mature, you tend to find a lot of those common patterns emerge uh, that are are primed for automation. And by inserting that automation, you actually greatly empower developers and builders on top of those platforms to achieve far more with with far less effort. And the way that we approach this, and, and, and really that sort of core observation is, you know, usually what happens in, in most innovative spaces is it, you go through a, a few of these stages. The, the first stage is this massive big bang where there's that incredible innovation, and it's followed with like this tremendous amount of adoption. And so what we've seen over the last few years is this insane proliferation of a sheer number of tools and technologies that can be utilized in and around the data space, all enabled by really what I would consider is the SaaSification of, of the data platform uh, and, and the data cloud itself. When you look at Snowflake, for example, what they've enabled from a proliferation of capabilities on top in the ecosystem around them is really quite remarkable. As you start to roll that forward with so many tools and so many capabilities and and surging levels of adoption, that's where you start to actually get uh, into uh, far more challenges around your team's productivity as your team's adopting and 20, 30 different tools trying to all uh, connect that value chain. And we've seen this in similar domains before we've seen this with container orchestration hence the insertion of uh, Kubernetes we've seen that other layers of infrastructure as well as even front-end engineering it oftentimes shifts towards not just from in- imperative to declarative engineering, but it also shifts towards uh, intelligent systems that help us better automate themselves and so when we think about how we architect to solve for these problems uh, what, it, what we do is we actually separate two of the classic planes of operations and, and execution, and then we introduce a third. When we think about how data teams work uh, and, and how they, they operate, you usually end up with a, a build plane. This is where you're, you write your code. It's how you define what you ingest and you transform and how you orchestrate it. And You usually end up with a bit of an operations plane on top, where you drive your data quality, you you enforce your reliability, you do your data governance, you have your observability. Yet usually what has historically been missing and usually what gets inserted into the middle is a control plane. And it's that control plane that ends up being incredibly powerful. It is the metadata bus, if you will, that connects the various tools and the various capabilities, but also that... Uh, Uh, in-between layer, that metadata layer, and that automation allows you to introduce far greater advancements in how you optimize and how you automate those systems. So it's in this control plane itself where we find that we can really uh, advance the capabilities of data engineering by leaning more on automation that taps into all of this metadata.
0: Got it. And I I love the phases that you walked us through before. And then in general, then it sounds like... um, what you're really doing is you're moving away from this largely manual process of today when we're creating and maintaining data pipelines, data engineering, and moving towards automation. We're moving from this these constant code fixes and keeping together just this patchwork of multiple solutions that make up a, a data stack. So you've created a data pipeline automation solution. So focusing specifically on this, then what is automation? When it comes to data pipelines for you,
1: yeah, happy to dive into that. And I, and I think one thing to, to add on to your your previous comment too is, you know, as we do automation, part of this, you know, also fundamentally enhances how we build these. As it's not just automating those pipelines, but how data engineers themselves work is uh, advancing all the way to automation engineers, and that ability to program intelligent data pipelines as opposed to these. Spoke manual data pipelines, and I think that's a really important uh, nuance, especially as as we talk about you know what this data automation itself does, uh, as it's pretty impactful to the business and and re- requires and benefits from a, a really new way of thinking. Just as we've seen how um, Kubernetes has really taken hold of container orchestration itself, and so I think when we we talk about what is uh, automation for data pipelines, I think it really boils down to two things. First part is tighter unification of the capabilities themselves. When we can more tightly pull together those uh, capabilities from ingest to transform to delivery and sharing of data and the orchestration, they all can share metadata itself. Uh, And as they share metadata, uh, we can do really advanced things with it. So not only is it easier for teams to build, but it's also far uh, more ripe for advanced layers of automation itself. So when we think about the things that we can do, uh, once we have that control plane that has access to that metadata that now can automate, uh, we can do really neat things like uh, automatic change detection and propagation. A system that is tightly coupled can detect when you change your code or when your data changes. They can track where that went and why that went there. And then automatically propagate changes in your code or your data uh, all the way through the lifecycle of that data. Uh, we can also do things uh, like guarantee data integrity from source to seek. Once we are able to track and, and traverse that lifecycle of data in an automated fashion, we know when things have changed and we know fundamentally what must end up at those end destinations based on the code uh, and based on the data itself. Other really powerful advantages we see from those capabilities are things like uh, possible and re- resumable pipelines as data engineers build their pipelines. Data is constantly flowing through, but you can radically change uh, how you build it in these really powerful ways uh, and enable data engineers to pause. And to restart those pipelines and resume from any point, and inspect those pipelines, which is you know akin to what we've seen from far more of the advanced developer tools and debugging tools that have emerged over the last decade as well. Uh, and then lastly, one of the, the other really powerful things that we can do when it comes to, to automation is the ability to actually deduplicate uh, and optimize better. We can do things like data and job deduplication uh, across uh, different systems by Knowing more about the data and the code that's running on it, we can fundamentally better optimize the use of your underlying infrastructure because of all that uh, knowledge of how the system itself is moving data around.
0: Got it. So it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like two fundamental pieces involved here. You've got the tighter and end-to-end capabilities, as I imagine this makes it easier on the user, reduce costs, reduce complexity, and so on. And then as well, you're talking about having this control plane to automate many tasks that a developer would typically be heavily involved in and the tasks would often be quite manual. So the things that you were talking about, um, automation of change propagation, data integrity and quality control, um, the possible and resumable pipelines and so on. So let's let's go a little bit deeper into this. Let's dig deeper into Ascend. Can you explain to us how this automation works exactly?
1: Happy to. So at the most fundamental level, the, the, the magic of Ascend is really tied to our ability to track data to the the very specific pieces of code uh, and the originating data that produced it. And so if you think about a, a piece of data as it goes through its life cycle. Uh, has a variety of different blocks of code that are transforming that data and, and operating on that, that data. What Ascend does is we fingerprint that code, every single piece of code, all the way up to the originating piece of data or pieces of data that produced the, the end state. Uh, and in doing so, this gives us a, a really high fidelity ability to track change as if the code changes, or if the data, uh, originating data itself changes, the resulting fingerprint changes. And that triggers our entire integrity checking system and our change detection system to say, some processing must now happen as the code in the data itself uh, is new, it's different, it's changed, it may have been deleted or updated. And in doing so that triggers all of the understanding of how or of what needs to be done. Uh, and that processing needs to be done. But that's really where it, it just starts. That's the, the sort of simplest level is this this fingerprinting of code and data. But as we get more uh, advanced and, and a little bit fancier, uh, we get to do things like tracking the entire lineage of code but linking it to incremental sets of data. So oftentimes the classic ETL pipelines uh, would propagate uh, t- uh, data but would not persist incremental stages whereas ELT pipelines might actually persist some of those stages. We're able to borrow from both of these uh, worlds and do really smart things like detect where the change in code happened or where the change in data happened and only trigger processing at specific points in time, or at specific points in the pipeline. If you have a large complex pipeline, like most of our, our customers do, and you happen to change code at a particular stage of that pipeline, SEND can detect that exact point and the downstream dependencies of that without having to rerun your entire pipeline. And this lets you run far cheaper, far more efficient, and, and far more optimized. The third layer that we, we add in is actually at a partition awareness level. And, and this is actually a third dimension to most pipelines. If we think of most of these data pipelines as these graphs, these what are called DAGs, directed acyclic graphs, send adds a third dimension of change tracking down at the partition level. And so underneath every component uh, inside of a graph, we're tracking that partition uh, lineage and we're tracking the fingerprints uh, of all of the partitions of that data as well. And so this allows us to do incredibly optimized things like take that data that may have changed and reprocess uh, or propagate those changes downstream, but do so in such a way that we only touch the smallest amount of data necessary to propagate those changes. We can track the entire dependency chain, not just at that top level of of a graph, but all the way down into the third dimension and traverse that through so we can optimize the changes as they go through.
0: Working in, in data engineering myself prior, and then more the data science and, and data analytics side, um, hearing all of these capabilities, I wish I had them before. Um, but the, so it sounds like the magic of Ascend sounds like it's in, first of all, the fingerprinting of every piece of code and data. And then from there, all of these other capabilities that you were walking us through, capabilities that allow you to fully track everything and manage and control the pipeline seamlessly. And why why does all of this ultimately matter? Like, what's the final solution? What what do you think this is going to look like in two, three years down the line?
1: I think in in two or three years, we're going to first look back at at the way that we're building data systems today and and be pretty shocked at, at how manual and painful it has been. The reason why I think that is, you know, oftentimes as we go through these transition periods in various technology spaces, we're navigating our way through and we're trying to determine what those standard best practices should be and what the common patterns are. And in doing so, we end up constantly reinventing and re-implementing the wheel over and over and over again. And I think where we're going to find ourselves in two or three years is really with a, a much more advanced way of how we even think about designing and programming at these data pipelines. I think we're going to end up in a world where, at a a very tactical level, uh, we'll be able to build pipelines much faster and much easier and shift the workload from maintaining to creation of new systems much more. I, I think the The shift will happen because we'll be able to lean far more on automation to handle how we we maintain those pipelines and how we optimize those pipelines, which will free up our resources and our time to focus on creation of new. I think the second thing that's going to happen is I think we're going to end up with a much more diverse set of data engineering roles inside of the data ecosystem. Historically, it's been more uh, infrastructure and platform engineering teams. We've seen uh, a huge surge of analytics engineering teams. I think we're going to also find a lot more software engineering teams participating in the the data lifecycle and the the data engineering process itself as we establish better uh, baselines around those common platforms and those common models that make it easier for teams who collaborate and to actually create these data products that others can depend upon. So I think we're going to see in, in two or three years. Uh, to, to be more succinct about it, I think we're going to see uh, less time spent on maintaining and far more time spent on building. I think we're going to see uh, teams collaborating far more, uh, and I think we're going to see far more diverse skill sets. Uh, that can per- now participate as part of the, the data lifecycle itself.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for, for painting the future of intelligent data pipelines for us. So I, I took a couple of notes. So it sounds like, first of all, the first thing that you think is going to happen is this world where we can get pipelines up and moving quickly and efficiently, thanks to automation, as we've discussed. And then as well, you you were talking about the diverse set of data engineering roles that you think are going to emerge Particularly more software engineering involved, um, and then there at the end less time building, uh, more time collaborating, and so on. And um, so as we're as we're coming to the close of this podcast, are there any last words that you want to leave our listeners with?
1: Yeah, I, th- I, I certainly would love to challenge uh, most teams here. Really, as as you do look forward to the the future with your data teams. I would strongly encourage you to lean on automation uh, to challenge the teams to determine how can you do more with less, especially in the, against the backdrop that we see today in the macro market. Now is a really important time to challenge all all of ourselves and think through how can we achieve more uh, with less. How do we enable and empower our, our incredibly talented resources? Uh, to lean on more advanced technologies to create greater value faster uh, and get them out of the weeds so they can really uh, put to work their incredible skill sets to to the greatest overall.
0: Perfect. I like that. So we can close with do more with less. Um, Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Sean, for all of the great insight that you've shared on today's topic. I particularly learned a lot. I think our listeners will as well. Um, and thank you as well to everybody who tuned in to our conversation. Remember that if you would like more information on what we've discussed today, make sure you head on over to ascend.io. It's spelled A S C E N D.io. Um, and we'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. So until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360 Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to em360tech.com.